Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we're going to talk with Shannon Wilson. Now, Shannon has a, uh, a very varied background, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that as well, but uh, she's a singer, she's an actress, she's, but the reason we're talking to her today, she has a, a very touching backstory about what happened with her and her family, and what the result of that was, was a beautiful book called The Littlest Peanut. And uh, if you know of anybody whose children have had to spend time in the, in the NICU, um, this is a, a must-have for those parents. Um, it's a beautiful book. It's a wonderful book. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, I, I, I truthfully kind of choked up a little bit looking at it. It's, it's that wonderfully done. Uh, so, Shannon, thank you so much for being on, on the show today. Uh, we're excited to have you and, and excited to hear about your story and, and how we got to where we are. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tim. That was a very nice introduction. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, well, I, you know, it's interesting. You you hear, you, you don't realize the challenges you can have when you're, you don't hear about pregnancy challenges until you have challenges and then suddenly you hear what can go wrong, what, what can happen. You, you just assume that you get pregnant and that it's just going to be super easy and you'll have the baby and everything will be like hunky-dory. But um I was pregnant with my daughter, our first child, and great pregnancy. I was exercising. I felt great. No, no sickness. And at 34 weeks, I had a premature rupture. So it was just out of the blue, and I had her early. And she was in the NICU for about three and a half weeks. And it, it's so scary because you really don't know what to expect when you have a premature baby. And the hospital that I was in, the, it's virtual Borges. It's a fantastic hospital, but it was the older hospital. Since then, they built a brand new facility. But at the time, it was the small hospital, and we were all in one room with other NICU parents. So just that environment of seeing really sick babies and parents who were really stressed out, crying, getting bad news. You're really in this room, and it's it's a pretty intense experience. It was for us anyway. So Kendall went home. And about, I, I don't know how many, not many months later, I got pregnant again and then had a miscarriage at eight weeks. So that was pretty hard to deal with. Then I got pregnant with my son, Breck. <laughs> and my doctor told me, he's like, these are just, it's just random. Don't worry. You won't have another, you know, you shouldn't have another premature baby. That premature rupture was just, you know, a fluke. And so then I, at 17 weeks, had a placental abruption. And that's a really serious and severe condition for both the mother and the baby. Um, 
And we were told that by the doctor, don't, he said, don't, um, or he said, I don't know what your beliefs are, if you believe in God, but basically it's in God's hands. There's really, it's either going to get worse or it's going to get better. Oh, wow. So just coming, yeah, just coming out of already having a baby in the NICU and seeing the stresses of macro preemies and micro preemies and what they have to go through. I was fully aware of the complications of having a micro preemie or a macro preemie. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I wasn't naive or my husband and I weren't blind going into it this time around. So it made it even more challenging. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see how it could be both helpful and challenging at the same time, because you have an expectation of what you're going to go through. And, and so if it doesn't fit those expectations, that's going to insert or create a different level of challenge, I would imagine. Yeah. When you don't have any expectations and you have no idea, you're like, oh, it'll, it'll be okay. Seeing all the sick babies and especially a boy. I don't know if any, if your listeners know this or if you even know this, but it goes by race and it goes by gender the the strength of a premature baby so for instance so the strongest are black female babies they oh, wow. do the, okay they they just thrive and they call them weak weak white boys <laughs> because the white males do i hate to say the worst but they have they have the most complications so my son was a white boy and um you know, I went on bed rest at 17 weeks. I had to, here I had a baby. I mean, they're 20 months apart. So I was also running a business at the same time. And um, okay. just knowing that I needed to get my, the number in my head that I had was 30. I was just, I just knew I needed to get to at least 30 weeks. Cause I knew anywhere between 17 to 24, 17 to 23 weeks, the complications that we're going to, you know, with lungs and feeding. Um, so I just kept visualizing the number 30 and I had him at 30 weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I made it that long and that far along and um, he's now 13 and my daughter's 15. Okay. And uh, Brett came out, this, my son came out breathing on his own. They put him on oxygen for just a minute and he came out breathing on his own and he, it's, it's really miraculous how, that's amazing. Well, he did. Yeah. That's amazing that he was able to breathe on his own then. I know. So it, and here's a question out of just because I'm, I'm unfamiliar. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or if you know, great. If not, I will do some Google research after we're done talking. Now, what's the difference between a placenta? Because you said you had a placental eruption. Abruption. Abruption. Mm -hmm. What's with the difference between that and a placental tear? It's kind of the same. Kind of the same. Okay. Because yeah, my it, wife it, had, my wife had with our, our young, our daughter, who's our, our youngest, whose name also happens to be Kendall. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So there's, we got that going. Uh, my brother's name is Shannon. So we got some similarities here. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, we, Shana had a, a placental tear with, with Kendall. Well, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. Maybe there is, maybe a abruption sounds more severe than a tear, right? Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I have to do some research eruption. on that to see what the difference is. So if the tear was just a minimal tear, yeah, was she bleeding? is that how she knew? Yeah, yeah. She was spotting. Yeah, we we were worried that we were gonna. Uh, there was worry from our our OB that we were going to have a loss, um, because yes. so I mean she was on bed rest, she was, you know, okay. limited in in movements and things. So yeah, it's scary because that's 
you know, mothers can bleed out from that. So if it tears off yeah. the wall completely, um, and we, I actually was when my daughter was in the NICU, a mother, or the, one of the NICU, and by the way, when my son was in the NICU, we knew all the nurses at this point because we, we were just there. They were like, are you back? Are you seriously back with another premature baby? Oh, sure. Yeah, it hadn't been that long. Yeah, um, but uh, but on a serious note, I mean, uh, the, one of the NICU nurses came in and was holding a full-size looking baby. And I said, oh my gosh, that's the biggest preemie I've ever seen. And someone leaned over and they said, the mother just died. The mother just bled out. And you're just oh. like... I mean, it's those things, those stories were all in this room. And um, like now they have separate quarters and they have separate rooms where you um, get to be um, on your own. But for us, we saw all that. And you, you just don't ever forget that emotion that you feel and that that just happened. You yeah. know? That would be heartbreaking to, to yes. have heard. So oh, man. About the, um, I guess the, about... The, the idea I had about the book was just when you have, at the time I had a baby book for my daughter, but nothing matched a preemie. It was like for oh, sure. healthy babies. So I was scratching out the time I mean, or scratching out the weight, scratching out the weeks because it wasn't matching up because she was earlier than she should have been. Sure. And so I started writing poetry and just thinking, God, I wish there was a book that matched what I was going through. And thought it in my head and came up with that idea. And then I put it all away after I had her. Mm -hmm. Didn't think about it again until Breck was born. And then I came up with the thought again of the littlest peanut and how we needed a baby book for parents that have babies in the NICU so that they have stuff to write about because our milestones are so different than a normal, and I'm saying normal in quotations, um, a normal baby's milestones. But oh, absolutely. the milestones of a premature baby or in a baby in the NICU are you know, they're really important to us. <laughs> yeah, that makes absolute sense because, I, you know, I think about it, um, you know, not having had gone through that myself, but I, I have several friends who have had children go through, um, you know, ch having children go through the NICU and, and you know, um, that's the reason why I was so impressed when you said that your son was breathing on his own right away uh, mm -hmm. at that age, because I know of several who their, their, their children were in, for you know, a couple weeks to a couple months, depending on the child and the and the circumstances. But the problems that they were having with getting the child to be able to breathe on their own, and they were having to you know incubate and you know and and yeah. some of these other things. And and so yeah. So when you say that there's there's different milestones, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. You know, right. from uh, from from my vantage point anyway. Um, yeah, just to know. get them out of the ice when they get out of the isolate. And Breck had to be in an isolate. He had jaundice. He did all of, you know, he definitely had, it's, it's hard because in the NICU, your babies, they, the nurses said um, they'll do really well at the beginning. You think, oh, they're strong, there's no problems, and then they can digress. So that's, each step is a big deal. I mean, for a 30-weeker, okay, so he comes out strong, but he can get an infection so quickly. Or sure. the brain scans, they do a brain scan, and you don't even think about that, and the brain scans can tell if there's bleeding on the brain because that's very common with a premature baby. So you just have like all of the stress. And, you know, I, I went back to the NICU with my books because I wanted to donate some. This was, I wrote the book in 2011 or had it published. And um, I walked in and I just started like, I never experienced PTSD before until then. And then a nurse, she said, you're having PTSD, 99% of women, um, who had premature babies that come back to the NICU have it. And yeah. I had no, 
it's so overwhelming and any parent will tell you when they go back, it's the smell, the stress, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can relate to that with, you know, I was telling you about before uh, in the pre-show, I was telling you about the story mm -hmm. of our daughter, uh, Kendall, who went through uh, her issues last, you know, last year. Um, after, after we were all done with the ICU and we had, we came close to losing Kendall at least twice. Mm -hmm. um, just the thought, because we, we were taking gifts up to the, the ICU because I, I, I will say this, the, the the nurses in the ICU and the doctors in the ICU who deal with kids, um, I I want to give every one of them a hug. They're amazing. They're angels. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh my God, beautiful people. I I can't say enough good things about them. To be able to be able to do what they do, and I I would crumble every day. Yeah. Um, I'm not built for that type of thing, and I think it's beautiful that that there are people who are and that they can do it and they do such an amazing job at it. Um, but I agree. we, we put together this little gift package and we, you know, we had these cups printed up and these like little, uh, cause all the nurses had sit at their tables and they got these little, uh, cups with this, you know, the tumblers with the, the straw matching straws in them and all that kind of stuff. And so we had some cups printed up and just the thought of going back into the ICU and having to go into that room. I couldn't even go into the hospital. It, for me, I started uh, hyperventilating a little bit and had to kind of pull back, um, you know, going, but going to the rehab, the rehab hospital that we had to go to, that was no problem for me. I could go into the rehab hospital and sit there and talk with, with those nurses and, and see them. And, yeah. um, but that, you know, that was fine. Um, but the, there's no way that I could go to the, you know, even just going to the, the the general hospital area, because the children's hospital in Grand Rapids is attached to the main hospital. Uh, there's a kind of like a, a corridor that combines the two. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a friend in the, in the main part of the hospital just just to go visit him. I walked in and I was kind of like, okay, okay, I can, yeah. I, I can do this. And both my wife and I were both kind of that way. So I, I, I understand fully uh, that onrush of, of emotion. Yeah, it takes you by surprise too. You wouldn't think, you know, like I, you think, oh, I, I, I'm not at war. I wasn't at war. You always think of PTSD with people Soldiers, who have experienced yeah. war or trauma, and then you don't realize you went through trauma. That is a traumatic experience when you have a sick child. There is nothing more stressful than having no control over the health of your child. Absolutely, uh, that was one of the things when when we came home. Um, I went into, I had to get some, I get some counseling. I went and had some therapy. And that's one of the things my therapist had to help me understand was that it was okay for us to feel the way that we were feeling. Yeah. Uh, because there was definitely some trauma that had occurred. There was definitely mm -hmm. some, some issue there. Okay. So how did you handle it? You know, post hospital, you know, so you had Kendall, you brought her home. Then yep. you, then you had um you know Breck. Uh, Breck, oh, in, in, in the meantime there was a miscarriage in between the mm -hmm. two but then you had Brack and you had to go back to the the NICU how did you handle it post hospital what was what was the mental emotional state for Shannon Wilson like at that point it's you know I don't even remember some of it because I think you know when they were building the new hospital I was on a focus group I don't even remember being on this focus group Oh, as, as part of the NICU to help 
build the NICU. I, I don't, isn't that the, isn't that so, wow. I mean, that's yeah. how mine works. And I found, I, I realized it later when they said, um, cause I, I became involved with the NICU a little bit after that, but it was just, I mean, I had, as I said, they're 20 months apart and I was running a, a nationwide promotional company. A very, it was at its peak, it was very successful. So I had all of that. And then I had the two kids, two babies and I was on this focus group and I guess I sat in on some meetings and helped them design different things. And I swear to you, I don't remember doing that. Wow. And there's just certain lapses of memory that I have. And I think that, I mean, you're, you're also nursing, you're taking, you're, everything is just zapped from you. And I just remember driving to the NICU and being so dehydrated, like so dizzy thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so, I feel so dizzy, but you're so fatigued. Mm -hmm. You're so tired. You're not sleeping especially when your kids are that close together and Breck was so little, he was so tiny. And so, um, early, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I handled it. I think, I just think I just kind of marched forward and just tried to stay positive. And I just lived day by day. Okay. Every day. It was just like, I couldn't look ahead. Sure. No, that makes, that makes absolute sense. You're handling what you had to in the moment. Your, your plate was pretty full at that point. So that makes, that makes total sense to me. So, and my family's in Texas, so I didn't even have any family out here. My, my, my husband's amazing, um, but I didn't, none of my, my sister, brother, parents, everybody's out down, you know, in Texas, so I didn't have family here. Okay. So everybody that I talk to, and there's a, a turning point in what they're dealing with and how they're dealing with it, and when they come to kind of grasp the, the terms of what they've dealt with. What was the turning point for you when you said, okay, this is what I'm dealing with? Oh, okay. That's a good question. And I remember it very well because I was pretty, so my son, son was born June 27th and uh, I came back. It doesn't seem like it's that long later, but my mother-in-law who, who is out here, she, she kept saying, you're so, you're handling this so well, Shannon, you're so strong. Do you, are you okay with Breck being in the NICU? And I was being just very stoic. And I remember it was the 4th of July parade in our town. And um, I was watching the parade go by and I just started, I just lost it and started crying, standing there on the street. My son was in the NICU. I had just gone through this with Kendall. And that was the first time that I actually just let it all go. I don't know why it was. I don't know what the trigger was. And my mother-in-law said to my husband, she's like, I was wondering when she was going to do that. <laughs> was just, I was probably just brimming for like a year and a half. Um, mm -hmm. but that right there was like, okay, this is messed up. This is like so crazy right now. My son is, I just had another premature baby. That was that moment of just kind of clarity of what I was dealing with. Okay. Uh, because you really, as you know, you just have to, I think I said it before, you just really have to march forward and it's not about us, is it? It's about them. And you're just trying to be so strong and positive and you don't want any sort of bad thoughts seeping into your brain and I'm sure you're a pretty positive person anyway, but we're also pragmatic and realistic. So that makes it challenging. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, for us anyway, it was the uh, trying to be positive because, you know, we're talking with our daughter who's scared. She didn't know what was going on around She's 12, her. Yeah. She's 12. There's all these things changing. You know, she went from being a healthy girl, you know, because the week, two days before uh, we went to the hospital, my daughter loves to sing she, and I, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but I think she has a, a beautiful voice. That's nice. um, and she was in her school's talent show and she was mm -hmm. singing 
and she said she didn't feel the greatest, but you know, it was March in Michigan and it's always kind of drippy, rainy, rainy weather. There's a lot of sniffling going on in Michigan during the month of March. That's not uncommon. A lot of sore throats. That's not uncommon. Um, you know, you get muscle uh, fatigue and soreness uh, because of the colds that get passed around, especially in schools, they're little germ factories, mm-hmm. you know, so we didn't really think anything of it. Um, but we were trying to be positive for her. And, and I, I think it's interesting, you know, as I think you said it right, uh, as parents, we try to be positive about what's going on around us. But there's also realism that sets in, you know, and and no matter how positive you're trying to be in that hospital setting, there's going to be a moment where reality just kind of, you know, smacks you right in mm-hmm. the face. Um, you know, and, and we had our own shares with that. But yeah, I think I think that's a very uh, interesting, interesting statement. So let's take a minute and and talk about your, your book, if you don't mind. Now, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned it a, a minute ago, but so what how did you come to the point of deciding that I need to write a book about this? I know you said earlier that you, you had your own baby book and you were kind of scratching things out, but you know, there, it's one thing to sit there and, and scratch it out and go, okay, this doesn't really fit my needs. But what, what, when did it click for you that this is something that needs to be? I've, I've always wanted to publish something. That's always been a goal of mine. So okay. when I thought of The Littlest Peanut, I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, this is something that I've kind of wanted to do. It can give back. It can help. And my brother-in-law is an amazing artist. He can do any medium. And I had in my head what I wanted, but I can't draw. But I knew exactly, I could visualize what I wanted. And so when I, after I had Breck and I worked, went back to the drawing board and thought, you know, I made each page what I wanted the milestones to be and what I wanted the pictures to be. And I had Joe draw them out. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And then I went through a company to have it published. I know now, and anybody that wants to publish their book, they can just do it on their own. They don't have to pay a lot of money. They don't have to pay money to do it. You can do it on your own. Right. Um, at the time, I didn't realize that um, it's not that I paid a lot of money, but you can do it on your own. <laughs> Uh, so then I realized this is just, and it, it, there was nothing like that out there. So I was, it was the first one, um, because there was a lot of med- medical books about premature babies, but nothing fun. Now there's so much more. There's so many more options, which is great for parents. Yeah. Uh, that's no, that's cool. No, and I, I, I want to say this too about your books. Um, so out of all the things I see on Amazon and I'm a, my wife and I have been Amazon prime members for, uh, God, I think since the moment that Amazon said, hey, mm-hmm. we'll ship things for free for two days. Um, I mean, I can count on my on one hand the number of things that I've seen with a five-star rating. Um, you know, more than with more than five ratings. You have 216 reviews on on Amazon, and they're all five stars. Except for the one from Corgi Lover. Well, we're gonna oh, it's a Corgi Lover. Come on. <laughs> We have a corgi. It wasn't us, I promise. Um, but you know, uh, but yeah, it's okay. So you have all but one, the, the one person who clearly didn't get the, the didn't get the memo. Um, no, she said there was no visitors page. Every all of her information was incorrect too. That still irritates me. It's from like four and a half years ago. <laughs> I've written to her. I'm like, dear corgi lover, <laughs> you have non-factual things in your review. Can you please right. change the review? She never has. Uh, but yeah but i mean to, to see the 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 ratings you know Thank it, you. It's, i think it's kind of indicative of of uh 
of what you're providing. And I think that the fact that you have such such high reviews on it, I, I just want to commend you for for writing such a, a wonderful book that helps people out and in, in, you know, and, and provides something, you know, that's that wasn't there before. That wasn't. Thank you so. Thank you so much. Yeah. And to hear the stories from people, I, I just said I said I shipped out a case today. I do like to give out cases to parents will reach out to me and sometimes, you know, sometimes they'll say we want it to be in memory of because the baby in my book, I didn't have the baby go home. I didn't have it. And, right. and, and some people have said, oh, you didn't have when you went home, when they went home. And I said, because not all of them go home. Sure. And I didn't want that to be in there. And I wanted them to have a memory book of that time that baby was there. So I didn't do it, go home at the end. And, um, so parents will reach out and they tell the, I hear these unbelievable, you know, unbelievable stories of just strength and courage mm -hmm. that these parents have and even these babies, my gosh. And so I'll donate um, quite a few cases or books to, to them so that they can bring them to their NICUs. Yeah. Even just the reviews themselves, people talking about their experiences. Uh, some yeah. of them are people who actually work in the NICU. Uh, some of them are talking about their children who are born mm -hmm. at, uh, I think I saw one that was born at like 26 weeks, just woof. You know, you even know. earlier, some of them were yeah. so much earlier. I yeah. stay in contact with a lot of them too. They'll reach out to me every Christmas. They're like, Shannon, they'll have different organizations like oh, Colin's awesome. Miracle. Yeah, did, Colin's Miracle is a good one. I love her. And they'll reach out every Christmas and, you, you know, they, they, have, they put their gift bags together for the, for the NICU. So it's a, it's a wonderful way to get back. And the sales of it helped for me to print it. This is our fourth edition. So I- Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah fourth edition so i'm able to pay for more printing which is a great company um nice. warzala yeah warzala does the printing they're a great company out of wisconsin okay cool i did not realize it was the fourth edition no that's cool mm -hmm. so so yeah guys um if you're looking for a gift for someone who has a child who's premature um spending some time in the nicu boy get them this this go to amazon check out the littlest peanut um it's very touching. It's, it's, it's beautifully done. And I, and I think that uh, you guys will be very, very glad that you got that uh, either for yourself, if this is something that you're, you're enduring. And if you are, our prayers are with you for sure. Uh, and if, if not, but you know, someone who is then, then by golly, go check this out. And I, I think you'll be thrilled that you will have bought the littlest peanut. Thank um, you. They can go to littlestpeanut.com too. The littlestpeanut.com. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask you um, where was the best way for people to be able to get information. So, um, so littlestpeanut.com is where they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thelittlestpeanut.com. The Littlest Peanut. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. All right. So yeah, and we'll make sure that when uh, this this uh, conversation goes out live to the masses, that will include uh, that that information on the uh, the link so that people can can look that up as well and find you easily. So here's a. I have two more questions for you, Shannon. Before we before we call it a day okay um so there's one question in particular and i like to ask this of every single guest that i have on the show and so here it is okay i'm nervous <laughs> oh don't be please don't be nervous it's not that big <laughs> but looking back over the entirety of all your experiences and not to shrink it shrink it down to to one sentence or anything like that but what's the single greatest lesson that this has taught you what's your takeaway my takeaway is really that you can't control everything that you really have to have just faith and uh 
and whatever that means to you, right? Sure. Um, and that you have to let go of that control and just kind of ride the wave that's given to you at that moment and just also take care of yourself too. Just be forgiving also, forgive yourself because um, there's guilt as a parent when your child's not feeling well. Or, I mean, I had two preemie babies and I blamed myself for different things. It also what doesn't help done people ask you yeah. what you did. And people yeah. are like, what did you do? What happened? You're like, F you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand <laughs> that. Right? So I, I know I just answered it in more than one way, but I think all of those things were just the lessons that I learned. I, that's fine. They're all highly appropriate and applicable. So, yeah, I, you know, and I, oh, I think when, when Kendall was in the hospital, we had, you know, people writing us, emailing us, text messaging us, you know, you know, well, what vaccination did you give her? What did you do about <sighs> this? What did you do about that? And it was just like, unbelievable. It, it doesn't matter what, how it got there. The fact is that she's here and this is what we're dealing with. So, yeah, I can't even imagine, um, you know, I mean, you, you go through enough guilt as it, as a parent in that situation, as it is, I can't imagine having the gall to ask that questions, oh, uh, but I, hey, I think you know, just don't know do. what to say. Yeah. Well, that, that there's that I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. Here's the second of the two questions. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you were given that helped you get through this? It, well, I have the quote in my book from Milton Berle, laughter is an instant vacation okay. because that advice, just finding laughter. And I have that in my book too. find laughter. I wrote that in there. The advice that you just have to find humor. And so that quote stuck with me. I think I read that during you know, something happened, you know, one of the stressful days. So it wasn't exactly somebody giving me advice because nobody really had advice to give me about that, but it's just that. And so I, I love that quote so much and it made me think. So I think that's just really good. That was good advice. From oh, I love it. That's excellent <laughs> advice. Um, Cause again, going back to our own experiences, um, I think had we not uh, tried to find humor of, you know, cause my daughter and I are both kind of sarcastic, jokey people. Mm -hmm. And I think that had we not tried to find ways to have a laugh, share a laugh, I, I think it would have done I think it would have done well more psychological and emotional damage than it, than it did. You have uh, to find humor and no matter what the situation is and there's humor there to be had, you know, comedy is drama. So. Absolutely. I'll, I'll agree a thousand percent. All right, cool. All right. So Shannon, tell us about um, Shannon Wilson outside of the being the awesome peanut author. So what do you got going on? I, we mentioned earlier that you're an actress and that you do some, that there's some singing as, as well. So, so tell us about those things, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, I'm pretty resourceful and I find different ways to be creative and find hobbies. So about five years ago, I decided I'd like to try acting and went to New York and took classes and started auditioning and got a good manager um, who believed in me, Georgianne at CPM Talent. And yeah, this year I've shot um, well, my, I did a film called Snow Babies. I play the mother of a heroin addict, a 16-year-old honor student heroin addict. And that's on Fandango now. It was supposed to be in theaters, but because of COVID. So that's on Fandango and that's on, um, you can stream it on Amazon. Okay. Um, that was released on September 29th and that's a feature. And then I just shot Halston with Ewan McGregor. He's playing Halston. Okay. And um, that'll be on Netflix. It's a Ryan Murphy production. And I play an affluent socialite named Bobby Mahoney, who was an actual person. 
Okay. And Halston's a fashion designer from the seventies. It's his, it's, it's his story. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So nice. You've got a couple nice things going on there in the acting realm. Uh, so what about, so I saw something about uh, Spotify and singing and. Yeah, I um, record music. I record songs. There's a great guy named Jim Heffernan, Jimmy, and he was a Nashville artist, studio musician, played with Joe Diffie and Brad Paisley and Grand Ole Opry. And he's been in Nashville. He was in Nashville for a long time and he lives the town over from me. So okay. someone told me you should reach out to Jim. This is about four years ago because um, he has a studio. So I've recorded about six songs with them. We're working on a new one now. And yeah, they're on iTunes and Spotify, my songs are. And I was just looking at CD Baby because you can upload them and you can see your little quarterly royalties. Got 21 cents right now for this quarter. Because <laughs> each time it streams, it's like 0. 0.000012 cents. <laughs> like it's hilarious to look at. So if you hit like $8, you're like, wow, I am making it here. <laughs> I, I I was joking around with my wife. So the the service that I use for our pot for this podcast mm -hmm. uh, pays me a penny per listen. Yeah, that's and, better than. And I I laughed because I, we when we hit the twenty dollar mark, I was like, yes. I looked at my wife and I'm like, we can go to Applebee's, baby, two for twenty. All right, let's do this. <laughs> that's a lot of listeners, though. You have to look at it that way. <laughs> oh, I I do, and I'm I'm extremely grateful. I but I just Apple. you know. That's, that's that's my that's my sponsorship i get yeah I, you know i i get a penny a listen i'm not yeah. i'm you know and but I, like i told somebody else if i was doing this to try to get rich i'm, I'm going about it the wrong way i'm well you know. yeah you, you're doing it for the love of it i never i've never done anything to make money i have honestly never done anything thinking oh i'm gonna be rich i just always thought of things that made me happy and i found ways to do that and then right. if money comes or success comes it kind of just falls into place but it's never the intent. Right. Oh, this is totally a passion project of mine. Yeah. I, I enjoy this thoroughly. Um, I I take a, a great enjoyment of being able to participate, even in a small way, in somebody's story and, and help mm -hmm. them share their story. And I find a lot of strength and encouragement in other people's stories like yours today. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's That's beauty nice. in, in people's stories and what, what they've gone through and, and learning from their lessons in life. I think there's so much that can be shared uh, with humanity that way. So right, I agree yeah. with you. We're all very similar. We we like people like to point out differences, but we all really are much more similar than we think. Oh, absolutely, for sure, for sure. Okay, and so Shannon, where can people go to find out about your movies and your music? What's a good site for that? I guess my website, Shannon with an A, so it's S H A N N A N Wilson dot com, and that has my music and the films that I'm working on. I'm working on a Christmas movie too. We shot that on Tuesday. It was very cold. I play a South Philly mob boss's wife, Martina Maureen. Um, so that's fun. So <laughs> I guess my website. And if they go, if you just Google my name, Shannon Wilson's, all that stuff pops up. All right, cool. We'll make sure to include all those links. Okay. Thank and, you. Uh, and include that as well. So guys, uh, thank you for listening today. And Shannon, thank you so much for being a guest uh, and sharing your story. Um, and I know you mentioned it earlier, but I just want to make sure that everybody's clear. Your, your children are, are doing well, correct? Yes. Yes. You would. Yes. They are doing fantastic. All Thank right. You. That's a and good Kendall's note. doing well. Kendall's good. Yeah, we're, we're doing better. Uh, you know, there's, there's some residual things that we're dealing with because of Guillain-Barre. It's uh it's a lifelong autoimmune issue. So we'll, 
she'll have some complications, but uh, we're, we're doing better now than we were a year ago. So we'll take that. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so happy so, to hear that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're progressing. So, but uh, yeah, again, thank you for being on. This has been a, it's been a joy to, to talk with you today. Yeah, I've loved it. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.